We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. It is Tuesday, November 29th, 2022. I'm your host, Max Torres. Appreciate you guys taking some time out of your day to talk some duck football. Uh, wherever you're watching or listening, make sure you do me a favor. Take a second out of your day to like, comment, uh, and subscribe. Really appreciate that. We are on the road to 2,000 subscribers. Uh, here on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Torres. If you guys are here in the live chat, go ahead and leave me a comment or ask me a question, and I'll do my best to get to as many as possible. Let me know how you're feeling about this uh, this news and uh, about the transfer portal in general. Uh, definitely setting up to be a busy offseason for Oregon, and it's not even the offseason yet, uh, considering that the regular season is over and you still have the bowl game ahead of you. So today's story, you know, the focus of today's episode, Oregon Ducks wide receiver Dante Thornton has entered the transfer portal. Uh, This news coming on kind of late Monday night, I think it was around six or seven o'clock, you know, on the West Coast. Um, So before we get into this news and kind of breaking it down, what it means for Oregon, what it means for Dante, uh, et cetera, just wanted to throw on his uh, his you know, announcement, the, the post over social media, always want to start these stories with uh, the player's words. So we can put that out there. So Dante wrote on social media, quote, first off, I want to start by saying thank you to coach Lanning, coach Adams and the entire university of Oregon coaching staff and family for all the love and support they have provided me over this past football season at Oregon. I would also like to thank each and every one of my teammates for always pushing me to be the best version of myself on and off the field. Truly, after countless hours of thinking while serious discussions with my family about this, I would like to announce that I am entering the transfer portal. I'll always be a duck at heart, but it's time for me to move on to the next chapter of my football career and make sure that I make the right decision for myself. With much love, Dante Thornton Jr., hashtag free Mac. So that's the you know the big news off, off the top. And then just kind of wanted to get into a little bit more background about Dante, you know, how his seasons have gone at Oregon. Um, I think an easy way to start this is kind of just Dante as a recruit. Um, because I was fortunate enough to talk to Dante a couple of times during his uh, recruitment before he got to Oregon. He signed with the Ducks as a four-star signee, high, high four-star recruit in the 2021 recruiting class, looking at the 247 sports composite, 
He was a four-star, .9719, ranked the number 57 player in the country, the number seven wide receiver, and the number two player out of the state of Maryland. Dante attended Mount St. Joseph High School in Baltimore, Maryland, had 28 reported offers, and was an Adidas All-American. Um, another thing to note here on Dante's recruitment, before he got to Oregon, he was committed to Penn State. So maybe Penn State is a, a school to watch here, seeing that he was a longtime Penn State commit before he committed to Oregon. He came out to visit for the spring game, I believe it was his senior year. And then Oregon was kind of in the driver's seat once he chose to reopen his recruitment. That was, of course, during the Mario Cristobal era at that time when Brian McClendon was at Oregon. So this is one of those players, uh, you know, along with um, I was going to say along with Seven McGee because he moved to wide receiver. But Seven McGee was recruited to Oregon by Jim Mastro, the former Oregon running backs coach. And Dante Thornton was recruited to Oregon by Brian McClendon, who's now on staff in the SEC with Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs. So I think that this is just one of the kind of trends, if you want to call it, that we're going to see this offseason. And what I mean by that when I say trends is that you're seeing players, and it's not even going to be just Oregon, you're going to see players across the country that are leaving their respective schools that weren't recruited by uh, the coaches that are necessarily in charge. Um, so that's just kind of something that happens. It's 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 a challenge that comes with how volatile college football has become in the era of the coaching carousel, the transfer portal, name, image, and likeness. You know, it, there's just, college football is just crazy now. So I also want to make sure I'm putting it out there that I, I don't criticize any of these players for any of their decisions. You know, I'm I'm just a journalist. You know, sharing my thoughts on uh, on these decisions and and you know trying to create a dialogue and you know build the community so that you guys can, can talk about it as fans and I can kind of give my take, but you know, players have to do what's best for them at the end of the day. And, and I definitely wish Dante nothing but the best. He was an awesome guy to talk to during his time as a recruit. And then while I was still living in Eugene, getting to talk to him and uh, you know, watch him, watch him kind of grow and, and mature at Oregon. So I wanted to make sure I put that out there because, you know, in today's era of the transfer portal and, you know, flip season, you know, things get crazy when it comes to recruiting. There, There's just too many people on social media that are just so quick to criticize uh, players for their decisions. And, you know, they're they're the ones that work their tail off to get to that school, um, you know, we're, we're just, uh, you know, watching it. You know, we have no idea. You know, everyone has uh, a story. So. I just wanted to, to preface, you know, and just mention that because, you know, if you're if you're a Duck fan watching my show, I think that, you know, that you kind of play a little bit of a role in just how people, how players are, uh, you know, perceived by the, the fan base. So we don't need to be, you know, talking nasty on social media and, and criticizing players. So I'm not uh, I'm not criticizing any Duck fans by any means. I'm just saying, you know, we see it with recruiting a lot. We don't need to be criticizing these guys and, you know, saying all kinds of mean things on social media. So just wanted to get that out there, but let's talk about Dante Thornton because he was one of three recruits that three wide receivers rather that Oregon signed in the class of 2021 under Brian McClendon, three all American wide receivers. I might add Troy Franklin being the headliner of the bunch out of Menlo Atherton in the Bay area, Isaiah Brevard, um, Isaiah Brevard being another one from the state of Mississippi. Um, so that was a, 
another big time receiver haul. I, at the time when Dante committed, that was, I think, almost unquestionably the best wide receiver haul that the Ducks have had in, in quite some time. So for, for Dante to be on the move this quickly, uh, you know, definitely hurts, uh, you know, where Oregon's at from a wide receiver depth standpoint. Um, you know, 6'5", 200 pounds. I think that he had an awesome frame for, you know, where Oregon wants to go offensively. Uh, I think a lot of people took notice of how he kind of morphed his body and, and put more, put more um, uh, muscle onto his frame throughout spring football. I mean, he was one of those guys that you saw uh, walking around the facility or walking around after practice and you're like, dang, you know, he's been in the weight room for sure. So Dante's definitely, um, you know, got that great work ethic. Um, didn't really carve out too big of a role during his time at Oregon. I think that it definitely got off to a strong start. He took his first college touch to the house, to the crib uh, for a touchdown. That was a, a pass from Ty Thompson in the game against Stony Brook in 2021. So he showed, he had, he did show and has shown, you know, some of that big playability, uh, you know, flashing at, at moments in, in Oregon. And I said this a couple of weeks ago, or I guess about a month ago now, after um, after the Cal game when Chase Cota went down. But when Chase Cota went down, I kind of looked at that. Obviously, you never want a player to get hurt. But I kind of looked at that as like, oh, okay, this is an opportunity for Dante to kind of step up and, and get some more snaps, get some more catches. Um, and we, we kind of saw him ebb and flow a little bit. I, I thought he was going to be more involved in the meantime when when he was his number was called on uh, during that uh you know, stretch when they didn't have Chase Coda. And um, I think, you know, it's not a stretch to say that his best game of the year came against Utah. I mean, he came up with some huge, huge catches in that game uh, to move the sticks, um, had a touchdown in the Washington game. So it was really exciting to see both him and Troy Franklin st- score in that Utah game, four catches for 151 total yards, um, you know, with a long of 58. Um, I think if Dante Thornton isn't maybe playing in that game, if Dante Thornton doesn't come up with some of those catches in that game against Utah, I don't know if Oregon wins that game. Um, and as we know, was the story with a lot of Oregon games this year, the Ducks still played in some close games. You had the close win over Utah. You had the close win over Washington State. And then you also had uh, close losses to Washington. And then you had the collapse against Oregon State this this past week. So um, you know, there's a lot of games that could have gone either way for Oregon, but um, I think this is this is the kind of receiver that Oregon had been lacking for a little bit, right? You had, you know, your guys like Dwayne Stanford uh, that were, were those taller wide receivers, but but six five with with Dante's kind of track speed, um, I really thought that he was underutilized at Oregon. I, along with a lot of other uh, you know people in the Oregon community, maybe thought that he was going to have a much larger role with the Ducks in 2022. Uh, but we started to see those flashes as he got more involved, you know, in that Utah game, he had a fumble, which was obviously tough. Um, but when he got out in space and was really able to do his thing, I thought that, you know, he was one of the the better receivers on this team and he was just kind of starting to, to get comfortable. It looked like, so, um, you know, encouraging to see him play as a, as a true freshman for, for the ducks in 2021, um, I really thought he was going to be more involved, even as a true freshman, because Oregon's wide receiver room wasn't that strong in 2021, right? You had Micah Pittman, Devin Williams, Jalen Red, um, Johnny Johnson. Um, you know, I, I didn't think that those guys were, you know, just so supremely talented that you had to have them on the field. 
Um, but you know, that's why I'm not a coach. So I'm not, I'm not the one that's making these decisions to, to have guys on the field at certain times or not. And, you know, you have to develop and get more comfortable. Dante saw uh, kind of more of his playing time, uh, when the ducks got banged up and we're kind of lacking at wide receiver in terms of depth, uh, against Utah down the stretch, you had the Utah game and then Oregon state and then, um, the Pac-12 championship game against Utah. So, you know, this was the most snaps he'd seen uh, since he got to Oregon. But but after two seasons, he's going to be moving on to look for his next stop. Uh, definitely no short. There's going to be no shortage of interest for for Dante Thornton in the transfer portal scene, as he was one of the more sought after wide receivers coming out of high school. And um, you know, just because he maybe didn't play that much, I don't think that that's done anything to you know uh, hurt his stock, so to speak. You know, you have the NFL draft. Uh, and then you have recruiting, recruiting stock, and the, the transfer portal now. So it's going to be a, a crazy time for sure, tracking all these movements in the transfer portal. Um, it hasn't been a ton of movement just yet. Um, Dante Thornton was the second Oregon player to enter the transfer portal uh, this season after Seven McGee announced his intentions to enter the transfer portal earlier this month in November. Another guy that you really thought was going to get more involved at Oregon, but never really carved out a really significant role, had some work on and off as a, as a return specialist, but yeah. So now you have two guys from the 2021 class that are in the transfer portal after uh, Dante announced on Monday evening that he would be entering the transfer portal. So let's take a look at, um, let's take a look at where this leaves Oregon's wide receiver room, you know, as of right now. Uh, Oregon's wide receiver room right now. You have Troy Franklin, who is the leading receiver in 2022 so far. Um, then you have Chris Hudson, who who looks like he could be coming back um, for another season. Um, you know, I'm not going off of any intel or anything. I'm just saying as it stands, you have Troy Franklin, you have Chris Hudson. Uh, I believe Chase Coda doesn't have any more eligibility, but he had a really strong game against Oregon State. So good to see him end his college career on uh, on a high note. Isaiah Brevard is still on the roster. You have Kyler Casper from the 2022 class. He was supposed to be playing. He's supposed to be finishing his senior year of high school right now out in Arizona, but uh, they got him to reclassify and got him to Oregon early. You also have Justice Lowe, uh, Isaiah Crocker on the uh, on the roster at wide receiver. I'm trying to think if I'm if I'm missing any huge names because I definitely don't want to do that. So let's go ahead and just pull up the roster on my other screen here. All right. Hudson already talked about him. Oh, you also have uh, Josh Delgado. Uh, he's someone on the roster that, that hasn't played a whole lot. Um, saw some playing time this year after some injuries, but he's another former scholarship guy. Um, but I feel like Oregon's wide receiver room, you know, could look a little bit different, um, you know, by, by the time we get out to uh, next season. So, um, yeah, you also have, thank you, Apollo. You also have Caleb Chapman. Um, he's, he hasn't seen the field very much this year. He's kind of battled some injuries on and off. Um, but yeah, he, he's also, uh, with the team he says he's a senior on, on go ducks. So I'm not sure. Let's see how many class of 2018. He redshirted in 18, 19, 20, 21. So this would be his fifth year, but COVID. So I think Caleb Chapman could come back. I want to say if he chose to. Um, so you have, you have some more options there from a wide receiver standpoint, but like I said, I thought Dante Thornton was the tallest wide receiver on this team. I think, um, I want to say Casper is around that, uh, that same height. 
Uh, Casper is 6'6", 193. So I think that, you know, Casper could potentially fill into a role that, that Dante was filling at, at Oregon. But, you know, he's a, he's a freshman and he obviously has, uh, you know, some, some more development that he needs to, to ultimately see the field a little bit more uh, than he did this year in 2022. But this is a significant name, obviously, like I'm saying, you know, going to going into the transfer portal for, for Dante Thornton. Um, you know, going into the Baltimore area is definitely very important. We, we know that he was really close friends with Damon David, a safety at Oregon, who also came out of Maryland so in, in the Baltimore area. Uh, you know, they, they signed together with the Ducks. Um, so who knows, uh, you know, who knows what, what the next moves are for, for Oregon in the transfer portal, whether it be players leaving or players that Oregon's going to be going after. Um, it's just crazy. I think that all this is happening before the season's even over, right? That's kind of the biggest, the biggest takeaway is that Kenny Dillingham left after the Oregon state game. You have players entering the transfer portal ahead of the bowl game. I'd imagine that Oregon's going to have some NFL draft declarations uh, before too long, and then we'll have to see if they play in the bowl game. But Oregon's bowl game isn't going to be anything super exciting now, seeing that they can't go to the playoff, which was within reach at one point this season. The the Rose Bowl was also within reach uh, at a at a certain time. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, the wheels just kind of fell off on on this Oregon season, um, and I'm not saying that's the reason that guys are are entering the transfer portal. Um, but it's just, uh, it's, it's a little bit deflating. I think if you're an Oregon fan, because, because it, it felt so achievable, but it's important to note that this isn't necessarily the same thing as last year, right? You know, you had no coaching adjustments against Utah. Those games were not winnable. Uh, but, but some of these Oregon losses down the stretch were definitely, definitely games that you could have been, could have, uh, could have won. Um, See me on the big screen says good luck to him. Sko Ducky, this transfer portal around the country about to get wild. Yeah, no, it definitely is. I think we're already seeing a lot of players from, from Texas A&M enter the transfer portal, uh, you know, after just the, the, the crazy season that they had in terms of just not living up to potential. They had that number one signing class, I want to say, and, um, uh, in 2022, they had so much talent there. And then they had Jimbo Fisher and I think they finished, I want to say it was three and seven. Um, the last time that I saw it, but I don't know if that was what their actual final record was. Um, now that the season's over in 2022, they finished five and seven. Uh, and I know Jimbo Fisher's buyout is super, super expensive, but yeah, you, that was kind of the first school that we saw where there were a lot of players already entering the transfer portal. Um, so I tweeted the other day that it's crazy that there were, we're already seeing tweets about entering the portal, even though the window isn't technically open. Uh, I want to say it's December 5th that it opens, but it's a, it's another dimension to college football that we have to track. Cod mod killer says he is a great talent, but needed more book work. In my opinion, he needed to learn the nuances of the position. Yeah. And, and I think that's part of the reason that he looked more comfortable as he, played more in, in 2022, right? I think that there were definitely times in 2021 where he didn't look maybe as sure of himself, um, but he was getting called upon, um, you know, from from that game, those games against Utah late in the season. So I thought he started to look a lot better. Um, and, you know, the more touches that he got, it seemed like he got more confidence. You know, he, he was starting to work as a deep threat option in, those, in that game against Utah and, and against Washington. There were some plays where he just took the top off the defense, but 
I think that really just comes with time and, and having, uh, you know, more time to work with the playbook and, and getting more reps. Um, so maybe that's kind of a big takeaway from the regular season is that we didn't see quite as much rotation. I don't think we saw as much rotation as I was maybe expecting at the wide receiver position this year. Um, you know, could be part of the reason that you saw a seven McGee transfer. And then maybe part of the, the reason with, with Dante here, right? Obviously playing time is always going to be a huge, huge factor. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brooks says, we still have guys like Casper. We'll get in guys like Kozar and Jurion. We are set at the wide receiver position with or without Thornton. Yeah, that's that's a good thing to look at is, is I, I talked about guys that are already on the roster for Oregon and, and that, you know, will look project as of right now to be at Oregon in 2023, but we don't know. You know, more news could come. We just got to be ready for anything. But right now in the 2023 class, you have Jurion Dickey, who is the number two wide receiver in the country. Uh, I believe uh, on two four seven uh, committed to Oregon as well as Ashton Kozar. Saw Jury on last week. He said he is one hundred percent committed to Oregon, uh, but there are still some big time schools that are pursuing him in this recruitment that he's still hearing from uh, uh, t- schools like Tennessee, Texas A and M, and Penn State. Those are some of the big schools that are still uh, hitting him up. He's going to be playing basketball for Menlo Atherton after suffering a season ending injury. Um, and that only allowed him to play four games uh, for Menlo Atherton as a senior, but he's going to be playing basketball to kind of ease back into some of those explosive movements. And he looked like he is probably going to be looking around a February timeline timeframe for signing his national letter of intent. Uh, So that does kind of leave the door open, obviously. Uh, And then he said he was about 50, 50 for enrolling early. And if anything, it would be in the spring. So those are kind of some of the updates you have with wide receivers like Jurion uh, he obviously becomes so, so important. I talked a little bit about the the recruiting impact of Kenny Dillingham's departure. You know, any coordinator is going to have any, any coordinator is going to have his hand in, you know, that side of the ball. Right. So I'm sure there was some involvement with Kenny Dillingham and, and Jurion Dickey during his time. 
while he was at Oregon, uh, you know, helping the staff recruit Jurion. But the big relationship there is Junior Adams with, with Jurion Dickey. Um, you know, they're both barrier guys. He said that, you know, he's like my right-hand man. He's always been rocking with him, whether he was at Washington, whether he was at Oregon. So that's the that's the biggest thing you have to watch right now. And and I think Junior Adams is going to be interesting to watch because uh, he's a name that we're seeing floated around for offensive coordinator. If Oregon were to look at promoting from within, the wide receiver group has seen a tremendous amount of growth this year. Uh, I think that's partially because of Junior Adams being added to the staff. Uh, as well as just the overall improvement of the offense um, and maybe more guys getting opportunities. Um, so Jurion and, uh, and Junior Adams have a super strong relationship. And, um, you know, I think as of right now, I'm not super worried, but Oregon's going to have to, uh, you know, stay on Jurion without a doubt because all these big schools, uh, you know, some of these big schools are still in the picture. And we all know recruiting is not over until you sign that dotted line. And even now you could say that it's not over after that because of the craziness with the transfer portal, really like Ashton Kozar. I feel like his stock continues to climb as a wide receiver, um, not a wide receiver, but one guy that I also looked at the other day was uh, Kenyon Sadiq uh, Oregon's uh, he's like a top 10 athlete in the 2023 class. looks like he's gonna be playing some tight end at Oregon, but he's ranked the number three commit on Oregon's 2023 recruiting class right now. So He's someone I definitely want to learn a little bit more about and, and see what's going on, uh, what's going on there. All right, let's see. See me on the big screen says, would like to get a, a good QB if Bo leaves. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's what's so interesting about Kenny Dillingham's departure, right? Because you have two quarterbacks now that become super important, that become your priority number one, um, you know, when it comes to finding a new offensive coordinator and, and recruits that you need to, you know, keep our guys that you want to keep in the fold, right? Dante with Dante as a recruit, you want to keep him in the fold in the 2023 recruiting class with Bo. You want to keep him at Oregon if possible. And that's part of the reason that people are saying, I think Oregon needs to move quickly to find this next offensive coordinator, because then you can sit him down with Dante Moore. You can sit him down with Bo Nix, say, this is my plan. This is how we want to use you. This is, these are the elements that are going to carry over from last year. These are some elements that are maybe going to be new. So Oregon's offensive coordinator uh, hire absolutely plays a pivotal role in the quarterback position. Um, we'll see if they're the quarterback's coach uh, as well, because that's what Dillingham was doing. I would assume that's probably going to be the case. Um, but now Oregon has to, you know, focus on two quarterbacks, Bo Nix, who's already on campus and you want to get him to stay. And then Dante Moore as well. You want to get him to stay. Um, and he seems like a really calculated guy, uh, you know, is definitely worn out by the recruiting process the first time around, but there's no doubt that there should be some big schools that circle back around on Dante, seeing that Oregon looks a little bit vulnerable now, not only because of the way the regular season ended, but because, you know, you could argue Dante Moore's main recruiter, uh, or one of the biggest reasons he went to Oregon is no longer there. So that's going to be a big storyline to track because if Bo Nix leaves, then you're essentially in the same exact spot you were last off season. You have no quarterbacks that have any proven success at the college level, uh, you know, not trying to slight Ty Thompson, not trying to slight Jay Butterfield. That's just the reality of the situation. Uh, Ty hasn't played a ton, but when he does play, it's been a little bit shaky. Jay Butterfield really hasn't seen the, the field very much. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they don't, if Bo Nix leaves, uh, I would definitely expect Oregon to be very involved in the transfer portal when it comes to quarterbacks. And then I also said, if, they were to lose Dante Moore, they're probably going to have to be even more heavily involved in the transfer portal. 
or you're going to be pushing for guys that are committed to other schools. That's kind of just my two cents on, on that. Um, let's see here. What other, what other questions do we have? Mikey G, he's a frequent listener. What's up, Mikey? Mikey says, all the best to DTJ. He'll be wide receiver one to most schools looking to the transfer portal. Just too deep of a receiver room. Who would have thunk 11 months ago? Yeah, I think that's definitely uh, a fair point. I think following the hire of, of Junior Adams and, and Dan Lanning, I think that the wide receiver room was one of the rooms that was transformed the most from the end of last season to uh, the, the group of guys that we saw this year, right? Last year, you had Johnny Johnson, Jalen Red, Devin Williams, Micah Pittman all leave. So that's four guys that move on from the program. And then you bring in uh, Chase Coda, you bring in Caleb Chapman, Justice Lowe, um, to, to name a few, but not all those guys necessarily get super involved. So Chase Coda was the guy that kind of had that biggest, uh, you know, new role from a new addition standpoint. Troy Franklin emerges as wide receiver one. Chris Hudson looks like he's just getting better and better uh, with each game. I think that Chris and, and Troy really complement each other. Excuse me. They really complement each other well. Uh, and then you have, um, you know, Dante kind of emerging a little bit more. Seven McGee was used a little bit more earlier in the season. Uh, and then you bring in Kyler Casper, but he doesn't necessarily start early. So I think that's a group that you felt really confident about. But I don't know. This is a point that this comment kind of reminds me of a point that Brian McClendon made uh, when when we were talking to him during his time at Oregon. He was saying, I, I'd rather have a really talent. A, a really, he's, I think he said, when we were asking him about all these young wideouts, he said, I think I have a really talented wide receiver room. I don't think I have a very deep receiver room right now. And I think the key difference there is kind of like where Oregon's quarterback room is at, right? You have a lot of talented quarterbacks, but not a lot of depth there because when Bo goes down, the quarterback becomes a, a big question mark in those games like Washington, right? So, yeah, I think Oregon's wide receiver room is really talented. Um, I don't know how deep I would say it is. I'd say that I probably think like, you know, like the, the running back room is maybe a little bit deeper or like the tight end room is deeper in terms of guys that you can turn to and have a couple of different options and, and not expect too much drop off. But I do really like Oregon's wide receiver room. And I think if you add these guys like Jurion Dickey and, and Ashton Kozar, you maybe get some guys out of the transfer portal as well. Uh, I think that, um, you know, you, you're in the position to kind of navigate a loss like this uh, relatively effectively. Brooks Durham says, I hope Casper stays. I don't want to lose him. Yeah. Kyler Casper is, is a guy that I'm super, super high on was really excited when he committed as a recruit, you know, his, his commitment video had him doing behind the back dunks uh, in, in high school, uh, you know, 6'6", 190, 195 kind of guy, super, super athletic. I think that was one of the reasons, you know, there just wasn't that much for him to gain by going back to high school for another year, just get to the college level and get ready. Um, so I think that 2023 could be the year where we really see that early enrollment payoff for a guy like Kyler Casper, who is a playmaker, matchup nightmare, you know, go getter, go up and get it kind of guy, red zone threat. Um, so I think that I think that I'm pretty, pretty stoked about his potential uh, during his time at, at Oregon. Um, so we'll have to continue to track his development and see what's going on. All right, let's see here. What else do we got? Um, let's see. Another question from Mikey. I like this question. Um, Mikey says, Max, any ideas on who Oregon will target in current batch of portal entrance needs? 
seems O-line is still a priority. Yeah, as we get more into the, the transfer portal season, Mikey, I'm definitely going to have to do some digging on some more names. Um, I think that offensive line is definitely still a priority for Oregon, despite the recent success that they've had recruiting prep guys in the 2023 class. Um, Cause I'm still trying to feel out, you know, how many of those guys I feel like can, can actually, you know, start as true freshmen, right? I feel like maybe you're looking at uh, Iapani Laulaulu um, in terms of guys that can maybe start early on the interior. Uh, Marcus Harper should probably be back. Uh, Josh Connerly played a decent amount as a freshman. Uh, maybe we'll see what, where Josh Dawson Jaramillo uh, is. Um, Steven Jones could come back. He's definitely an interesting name to monitor when we're talking offensive line because, um, you know, for, for all the injuries that Oregon had pop up late in the season, it was a big benefit that uh, Steven Jones was able to come back. And then Alex Forsyth came back. Ryan Walk came back um, to, to play. Um, but we know that Harper and Jones are kind of those main, you know, entrenched guys that are usually in the starting lineup or you know in the rotation that could be coming back next year. So would not be surprised at all to see Oregon go for, you know, some more Juco guys or some guys in the transfer portal, even though George Silva is a Juco guy in the 2023 class for Oregon, he is still super, super raw and new to football. Uh, this is only his first full year of playing. So I would definitely wager that O-line is going to be a priority for Oregon in the transfer portal. I think in the secondary uh, you definitely have to look at, uh, you know, guys there for the defensive backs, seeing that Oregon was just getting torched uh, in the passing game all year. Uh, I can't even begin to imagine what the defense would have looked like without Christian Gonzalez this year. Um, I think that that's definitely one of the big success, sto- success stories for Dan Lenning and the Ducks in his first year, going into the transfer portal to get a guy like Christian Gonzalez that can be a plug and play you know, more or less lockdown guy, cornerback number one for you. So I think that that definitely has to be a big position for the Ducks to look at is corner. I'd also throw out safety, right? Um, I'm pretty sure that Bennett Williams uh, is is going to be wrapped up after this. Um, and then maybe, maybe Steve Stevens, I would think too. You know, he's a 2018 guy. I'm not sure how much eligibility he has left. I'm kind of just trying to bring up some, some of the older guys. Uh, maybe Brian Addison too. Uh, if he's able to come back, let's see, since 2018. 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, but you take off. I got I to gotta do some more math on that, but Brian Addison has definitely uh, improved a lot this year. But, uh, you know, that said, I think that you still want to be adding guys and, and bringing more competition into that room. You've added guys recently like Trajan Williams and, and Kamari Terrell in the 2022 class, the Jaleels, Jaleel Florence, Jaleel Tucker. Jaleel Florence has played uh, a pretty decent amount this year. I think he burned his red shirt. So, I think O-line and, and corner should definitely be O-line and secondary should definitely be, you know, positions. I think you're going to be end up looking at at people in the portal at every position almost because there's going to be some guys that if they give you a call, you're not going to turn them away saying that they want to go to Oregon if if they if they're really, you know, talented and you feel like they can start right away. Um and I saw something so interesting on Twitter. Um I can't remember who said it, but they said that uh transfer portal recruiting could be could become more important than high school recruiting, which is probably a good point. And I don't think that it's all that unrealistic because transfer portal guys are, you know, more or less like imagine if you got five guys of Christian Gonzalez's caliber out of the transfer portal, those are five spots on your roster where you don't have to worry like, Oh yeah, we have to kind of bring this guy along a little bit and, and, you know, try to hope he develops and hope we get him here early 
uh, as an early enrollee. Hope he does well in spring. Hope he does well in fall. No, you're not asking yourself those kind of questions. You're like, hey, this guy's here. He's contributed. He's ready to go. And uh, I think that obviously, you know, is appealing to, to any coach. So those are kind of some early thoughts there, Mikey, but that's going to be something we're definitely going to dig our teeth into once we get into the off season. All right, let's see. Um, all right. Mike says uh, on Dante Thornton, this is a loss for people who think it's not because we have five stars coming in goes to show they learned nothing from the Ty Thompson experience. Um, this is a loss for people to think it's not because we have five stars coming in. It goes to show. I'm not totally sure what you mean by this, uh, Mike, but I think that, um, I think that maybe you're, maybe you're talking about a point I made earlier where, you know, guys can be highly rated, but maybe not see the field too much early, um, early on in their, in their college careers, but, uh, you got to keep stacking talent and you got to have guys that, uh, you know, um, you know, are, are willing to compete. And I'm sure, I'm surely not saying that. I'm not saying that Dante wasn't willing to compete um, because, you know, he, he did a great job. Um, I'm just saying overall in terms of, you know, you're stacking your roster with a lot of highly touted guys. You want to have guys that are ready to go uh, and aren't going to, um, you know, aren't going to, they're, they're willing to stick around even if they don't see, you know, a ton of snaps. So uh, hopefully I, I addressed your, your, your comment there. All right. What do we have here? Wow, we got a lot of comments. Um, right, D line is important. Um, yeah, no, this is this is definitely yeah. So the offensive line and uh, the really the front seven. This comment from Sco Ducky. We have to get more pressure on QBs next season. The D line needs to be addressed, and I think that this is an area where we could really see a, a notable leap from 2022 to 2023 under Dan Landing and the rest of this coaching staff with Tosh Lapoy, Tony Tuioti. Talk about getting your guys in, um, you know, to fit your scheme, to fit your defense. I thought with, with how much experience this defensive line had, I, I really kind of do feel like it was a little bit of an underachieving year. They were great against the run for almost every game, except for that Oregon state game and the Georgia game. Actually, the Georgia game, they weren't even that bad, but the Oregon State game was inexcusable. Um, but given all the the returning experience that they had, you know, the veterans there with, with Taki getting added, Keon where Hudson seemed like he was playing better, Brandon Dorless, um, I think that this is one of those groups that you kind of feel like underachieved a little bit. But Casey Rogers was a fantastic addition. Uh, we're going to have to see if he has any availability left. But guys like DJ Johnson and, and Brandon Dorless are probably going to be moving on to the next level. So, um, you look at the the guys that they have in this 2023 class, right? Look at the one of the most recent commitments for Oregon. You look at Johnny Bowens. You know he's a big time addition to to shore up the the trenches on the defensive line. Maybe you can move him around there with some versatility. You look at Tavita Pomee, who's almost 300 pounds, just as a, you know a senior in high school. Uh, Terrence Green, Michael Gardner, Amari Washington. These are all huge bodies that you're going to be adding. Then you have Sir Mills and Ben Roberts from last year. You're going to have to see how their development's coming along. So you just want to give yourself as many options as possible. But one of the biggest reasons that the portal could be crazy and that we need to you know, talk about is because the 25 man signing cap has been removed. And I believe it's for the foreseeable future. I need to double check, but basically what that means is that you just have to make sure you can go over 25, as long as you don't have more than 85 active scholarships on your roster, I believe. So that's another reason that could contribute to the madness this season. But I absolutely agree that you got to get more guys on the D line. Um, and you, you definitely want to be too deep there for sure. And you want to get more guys that can affect the quarterback and get some pressure. 
All right, let's see. Uh, exploring with Ben and Sam asks, think one thing is, what does Sewell and Flo do after the season? Speaking of defense, Flo, I think, has to stay since he hasn't played much until this season. Yeah, these are two of the biggest names we're going to have to monitor this year uh, you know, as we kind of make our way into the offseason. They still have a bowl, but obviously it kind of feels like the, the offseason isn't waiting for the season to be over because of all these transfers, because of all the coaching carousel movement across the sport. But Sewell was one of the more interesting guys because I think he didn't necessarily blow up the stat sheet like he did the first two years at Oregon, but he hasn't had a bad season um, by any means. You know, he's still the face of that defense, I think, you know, him alongside Christian Gonzalez. Um, but he's kind of one of those guys that, you know, he's an athletic freak. Uh, I think that there's guys in the, in the NFL that are coaches that are looking at him and GMs that are super excited about what he can do. He's a Buckus Award finalist. I really liked and thought he would he should have been used more in pressure packages to, to get more uh, to get after the quarterback more. Um, I think that basically the easiest way I would say this is that I think going into the season, it was kind of assumed that Noah Sewell would be moving on to the next level, but maybe how the defense has played this year, maybe you think a little bit about him coming back for another year, but I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if Noah Sewell, you know, makes that call to go to the NFL and then Justin Flo, he, you know, right now, knock on wood, you got one more game left, but he's uh, more or less played his most college football since coming to the college level, kind of had some nagging injuries here and there, but really hasn't played that much even when he was healthy or certainly not as much that I, that I think, certainly not as much that I think fans thought he was going to be playing when he was healthy, right? You thought about that duo with, with Noah Sewell and Justin Flo, but we saw a lot of Jeff Bossa, saw some more Keith Brown as the season wound as the season started to wind down, saw some Jackson LaDuke as well. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Um, that's kind of mentioning Gerard's comment here. Um, Gerard talking about the defense, saying, I wouldn't be surprised if Flo transfers. He seems literally lost out on the field at times, on the field sometimes. A new system that he is more suited for might be best for both parties. Um, but that's another thing that we have to consider with, uh, you know, if we're going to talk about the defense a little bit, we'll have, you know, more episodes in the future. But they're going to hope they're going to be able to have some continuity now, assuming uh, there's not too much shakeup on, on that side of the ball. Seeing that Dan Landing's a you know a defensive head coach, you have Tosh Lapoy who would be going into his second year. So if you can have some consistency from year to year, uh, I think that I think that that can go a long way in helping the progression of some of these guys, helping the development of some of these guys. Um, so I think that that's a, a factor to follow for sure. But uh, we already got to 40 minutes on this episode, and I was definitely not expecting to go that long, but I had a blast. Um, I think what I'm going to do, I might be back later today for another show when we talk about Oregon's offensive coordinator search uh, following Kenny Dillingham's departure to Arizona State to become the next head coach. So I'm going to go ahead and wind down here. If you guys want to find more of me, you can follow me on Twitter at mtorissports. That's the fastest way to find my updates. You can find my written content covering Oregon football, Oregon football recruiting, and uh, Oregon basketball a little bit here and there. We're going to see how much of that coverage we want to do. Uh, but things are going to be um, things are going to be busy, uh, you know, as we head into December with the transfer portal and the early signing period. So you got to make sure you guys stay tapped in. Hit that like and subscribe button here on YouTube and leave me a comment. We're on the way to 2,000 subscribers and uh, don't plan on stopping anytime soon or slowing down anytime soon. Um, so make sure you help me out there. And then the last thing, share the podcast, please. It only takes a second out of your day. Share it with your friends, your family, other Duck fans. That's how we do around here. But just trying to grow the community and your support is 
incredibly appreciated and what I'm doing trying to cover the Ducks. So that'll do it for us here on this episode. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.